Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. I'm Avi Kravitz, and today's guest is Frederick de Grace, who is the CEO of iTraceit. iTraceit is a company which is barely a year old, but it's tackling the important issue of traceability across the diamond supply chain. We discuss the company's approach, the challenges it faces, and some of the forces and trends shaping the discussion about source verification. This is a hot topic in the diamond industry at the moment, and I gained a lot of insight from our chat. I'm sure you will too, so please enjoy my conversation with Frederick de Grace. Hi, Frederick. It's so great to see you again. Welcome to the podcast, your debut on the Rep for Diamond podcast. So um, welcome and how are you doing? Thank you, Avi. And of course, always great to talk to you. Um, Very happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast ever since its first episode. So I'm an avid listener. So of course, very happy to be here and everything's going very well. How are you today? Good. Excellent. And we've kind of followed each other's journey in the industry from afar. You started off in the mining sector with Dominion Diamond Corporation, then moved into the midstream with uni diamonds and now you've taken on a new role and well it's it seems it's it's just over a year now that i trace it has been in development yeah correct it's been super interesting i mean the industry has definitely been uh, really kind to me and it's been really interesting to have been kind of looking at the sector and the diamond pipeline from all these various angles and being able to see how it operates and works from the rough side, the polish side, and now from the technology side. So that's been really interesting to see how all of those elements, those things have fit together. Right. And I would imagine that given your current role, and we'll get into iTrace and the the traceability solution that it's providing, we'll get into the the mechanics of it. But I would imagine your background fits into all that. What were you, just for interest's sake, what was your background before coming into the industry? You're Antwerp-based, right? I am indeed Antwerp-based. Born and raised, I studied in Antwerp. I was studying at the Antwerp Management School, a general management course. And as kind of the final consulting effort that we had to do to get our final points, I had an opportunity to work with the Diamond and Jewelry Management Institute, which was a combination of various entities from the Antwerp diamond sector, to help out with a couple of studies on how Antwerp could position itself to attract more consumers, attract more rough, attract more polished. And that kind of was the first step into my entry in the market, where I was responsible for facilitating what they would call at that point the Project 2020, which was the strategic repositioning project from the Antwerp Diamond Center. Exactly. I do remember that. I didn't know that about you. And it always amazes me how Antwerp is so diamond centric. You know, they, it, you know, even in the universities, as you're alluding to, has this sort of connection to the industry and gives opportunity to the locals to get involved. And that question of Antwerp's position in the industry and the opportunity for growth and where that growth could come from, that's a whole separate podcast, I think. Yeah, exactly. We, you, you should have me on for a second time. We'll definitely go through that. <laughs> well, if you claim to be a spokesperson for the Antwerp industry, that's fine. No, no, I wouldn't go as far, but it's been, uh, it's been definitely very, very interesting as an entry in the market. Well, um, you know, I was thinking about the rollout of iTraceIt and in terms of the timing, it's been very interesting and it's almost, you know, you could almost accuse you of being opportunistic, <laughs> you know, given, given the timing that the company was basically announced around, I think it was September 2021 
And then the the official launch was in May last year, which was shortly after the Russia-Ukraine conflict um, came to our attention. And that conflict really brought traceability and responsible sourcing and source verification front and center in the industry. And then suddenly we had these, we had a few announcements at the time about, you know, these origin sort of programs, but one of them was the launch of iTracer. So maybe you want to give us a bit of background into what was driving the development of the company, you know, even prior to the Russian conflict that sort of spurred this topic in the industry. Great point um, and great question. When we're talking about traceability in the diamond sector, I think it's been an evolution that has started already several years ago. And it's been mainly, I would say, the luxury brands that have been the primary driver to this. And it was really also coming directly from their demand that we came up with the iTraced solution. Because at that moment in time, there wasn't any industry-wide traceability solution, especially nothing for diamonds of all sizes. When we're looking at the traceability solutions that are out there or the traceability landscape today, there's a lot of great initiatives and a lot of great solutions, as you mentioned. But what we found is, and at least it's also the feedback from some of the retailers that we spoke to, is that it tended to be quite fragmented, whereas they would either focus on a particular source or a particular producing origin, or they would focus on a particular product category, so a certain size or quality upwards. But there wasn't really any solution for smaller goods, for commercial goods, which really make up the bulk of the market. So there wasn't one industry-wide solution for all diamonds. And I think that's really the issue we wanted to provide a solution for. We want to be that industry-wide solution, an independent solution for the diamonds of all sizes and, and all the components that go into the jewelry pieces. So I think that's where the demand was coming from. And that's how we position our company as such. Just maybe important to add as far as the timing point, which you alluded to, which I understand that looks a, looked a bit up. The iTrace developments was already busy for several years. So we had a, quite an extensive pilot period of over a year with various partners at all the different stages of the pipeline leading up to our launch. But it's definitely true that geopolitical climate also spurred some of these developments forward. Sounds like an accusation, but it not, it's not really. <laughs> you make a few points there that I would like to touch on, and, and I'd particularly like to get back to how one goes about solving the challenge of tracing smaller goods, which are generally sort of mixed from various sources, sold in parcels, but we will get back to that. I do want to make the point that, of course, the traceability issue is not a new phenomenon for the industry. It's been a hot topic in our newsfeed for a number of years already. And I think the discussion has kind of evolved. You know, initially it was, oh, we've got this technology or these platforms, you know, blockchain and blockchain was a buzzword. And the focus was on that blockchain solution. Um, Whereas I think it's evolved now to be sort of bespoke and general, that it's not necessarily about being a blockchain program, which I understand that that iTracer is using that technology among others. And you can explain that to us, but it's more about the storytelling and how the technology is enabling those brands, as you mentioned, to tell their story and give the assurances that are needed to invoke confidence in the product. Yeah, no, definitely. You're absolutely right. I think as far as the blockchain element is concerned, it is indeed an important aspect of our solution. And we can get into how that actually works and how we tackle the blockchain issue and how it fits within our iTrace solution. But I agree with you that the focus has shifted a bit towards the broader storytelling, especially when it comes to traceability. I would say, and I'd love to kind of hear if that's also a similar trend that you see in the industry, but at least from the retailers or the partners that we speak to on a daily basis, we're starting to feel the shift that originally it was all about 
the country of origin and being able to declare, you know, the country from which the original rough came. But what we're seeing now is that in addition to that, a lot of retailers tend to become more and more interested into the full journey of the product, whereas it's not just the country of origin, but okay, what is the full journey of that product? What are the different stages in the pipeline that those goods have traveled through? Because we're starting to see a shift towards the broader, I would say, then sustainability story where brands and retailers need to be able to show to their customers that those goods have been responsibly sourced. And that, of course, means that they've taken into account environmental impact, all of the social standards and social impacts at all the various stages of the journey. And of course, in order to make that claim, it starts with transparency and it starts with knowing exactly where those goods have been before you can start making any broader sustainability claims. And I would say that's kind of a shift that we've seen from our side. Is that, is that something that you also see in the market? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you bring that. I think it is true, although I think the, and it's something that we've noticed, you know, certainly in, in terms of the focus of telling that story, and it has shifted to a broader sustainability, you know, challenge. Or, or focal point is a better word. But I think the challenge remains at the rough source. That's where it seems that that's where it becomes the most difficult point in the, in the supply chain and the journey of the diamond to A, trace the origin. And if you have that starting point, then it makes it easier to trace the diamond through the rest of the distribution chain. And also, I think that's, you know, arguably still the biggest area of concern, you know, when it comes to various aspects that affect the issue of responsible sourcing, both in terms of the geopolitical influence or conditions under which that diamond was mind and also in terms of issues such as sustainability and of environmental concerns and even the contribution that a mine can have on its communities and maybe more amplified, you know, that's a focal point. Absolutely. And I can tell you that having worked at a mining company, one of our challenges was always, well, there's so many great things that the company does at the mine site for the local communities, for all of the, um, to limit the environmental impact and also go above and beyond that and actually contribute positively to the environment and again, those local communities surrounding it. So there were all of these great stories and the challenge was often, well, how do you get those stories to the end consumer? And I think iTraceIt can also play a role there whereby all of those story components can be added to the product as it moves along the supply chain and reaches the retailer who then in turn can tell that wonderful story. Why don't you give us a bit of the technical aspect mm -hmm. of iTraceIt and how it's differentiated from other programs? Because firstly, it's becoming a bit of a crowded space. There are a lot of established companies within the industry and also companies that have a broader reach and maybe are focusing their systems as a byproduct of that bigger story that needs to be told. You know, companies such as the Beers. GIA, Siren come to mind where they touch various points in the industry that they're able to amplify the story that's being told and then use their technology to back that up. Whereas you're essentially a service provider in this area. And so how do you fit into the market and what is sort of the added value that iTrace brings to that space? I would say that actually the fact that we are not an established company and do not indeed contribute to those touch points in the diamond pipeline could also be turned into a strength. I think we're in a unique position by being an independent company who doesn't have any major, let's say, diamond organizations, whether it's any industry organization, a mining company, site holder, as a matter. We don't have that in our shareholder structure. And by being an independent technology and service provider, it also puts us in a unique position to be an industry-wide solution. I think what also sets us apart is that we want to be a solution, as I said earlier on, also for all diamonds. So it's not just 
the big and valuable stones, but it's also the more commercial goods in the melee. We want to be a solution for all diamonds and really any other material that can be traced into the final jewelry piece. In our conversations with retailers, what they would ideally love to offer to the customer is one report that details the traceability information, not just from the big center stone in the ring, but also the melee to the side, the gold that goes into the piece, or really any other material that goes into a watch or any other jewelry piece. And the fact that they can use iTrace to track and trace all of these different components and fit it into a final report for a product I think is a tremendous value add. As far as the technology is concerned, it's a combination of blockchain and QR code technology. Uh, I think the blockchain we already touched on. The blockchain element is a very important one because the decentralized character of blockchain, of course, has a lot of positive security implications. But more importantly, it means that the information which is on the blockchain cannot be altered and is there forever, which of course adds a lot of credibility to the retailer. And then the QR code part is actually very interesting because the reason why we chose for QR code technology is because it has a couple really interesting benefits. First of all, when you create a QR code, it automatically tracks where was it created, by whom was it created, when was it created. You can also add whatever data point and documents you want to it. So think about certificates, KP certificates, copies of rough invoices, pictures, videos, planning files, anything and everything can be added to that QR. So it effectively becomes like a digital identity card of the stone or the parcel of melee or any other product that it accompanies. And the way that we work then with those QR codes is that at every stage of the diamond pipeline and even within a company, so think about a manufacturer who wants to track his diamonds throughout the various stages of manufacturing, our system is automatically going to attribute QR codes to each stage and then automatically connect all of those together. So you create an unbreakable chain from the beginning to the end. So at the end of the whole exercise, the retailer can scan the QR of the goods that they receive and see the full traceability chain with all the supporting data points and all the supporting documents for each stone. And those QR codes feed into the blockchain? Correct, yeah. Into the blockchain. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. And so are you working with mining companies to get that first touch point of the rough and then you're able to sort of attach a QR code to that rough at the mining point or is it from the manufacturer? Obviously, there's a process of building and developing a a company that, uh, you know, and, and having more companies work with you. But at what stage are you at the moment? I know that you recently put out a press release that illustrated a number of site holders that are working with you. But is it going beyond that? Is it particularly to that mining source? Absolutely. I think when we're looking at traceability, the approach we wanted to take is that we understood very early on, you're not from day one to day two going to have the full diamond industry adopt one specific solution. I think that's a little bit of a pipe dream in our sector. Of course, we hope to get there at some point. But when we conducted our pilot, we did work indeed with partners at various stages of the pipeline, including several mining companies. That said, we believe, and I trace it, that the traceability can start at any point. And it's all about being transparent with what the information you have and what you don't know. So we also believe that the traceability chain in our system can, in an ideal case, of course, it starts indeed, as you said, with a mining company who puts the QR sticker, enters the parcel in the system, and it kind of goes from there. And then the manufacturer can pick up from there and we continue on. 
But it could just as well be the case that if you're a manufacturer and you receive a DTC box or a box from any other mining company, that you start the traceability journey because you have a copy of the rough invoice. You can picture and videograph the parcel. You can add whatever details that in the end the retailer is looking for and start a traceability journey from there. Likewise, if you're a polished trader, you could also say, well, you know what? I bought these goods from my supplier. I will get them to fill in a declaration of origin document. That is my proof. Of course, it's not as strong as it coming straight from the mining company, but it's at least the transparency of showing what proof you have to the retailer. And then we leave it up to the market. It's up to the retailer to decide what information they're looking for. There's always sort of a red flag that goes up in my head when there are claims about being an industry-wide platform. I think De Beers with Tracer realized this at some points, you know, where it's not about providing one platform for the whole industry, but um, what you're saying is that iTracer is suitable for all, all players, all elements of, of the industry to use. Absolutely. And I would even add to that, like, I think it's important to note that from the get-go, from the start of the company, we've always taken an extremely collaborative approach. I think if you really want to be an industry-wide solution, that also means working together with all of the different players that take part in that. So we've built our system to be so flexible that we would hope to, of course, be able to tie into the platform that you mentioned with the producer that you mentioned on one end, you can also tie into, let's say, a blockchain consortium, which is developed at the retail end. We'd love, you know, we're definitely open to working with other traceability solutions that can, you know, at least we want to be that kind of connector and that bridge between all of the different solutions that are out there. Because in order to be an industry-wide solution, I think you have to work with all the different actors, which is why we're now also exploring working together with some of the leading logistics providers, grading labs, to make sure that all of the different components kind of play their part in establishing that story and that journey of those goods. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily required for the industry, but I think it's certainly for the companies who are trying to show the journey of their diamond, where they, if they can tap into the different programs that are out there with the greatest efficiency possible, let's say, you know, I think that would be very helpful because I think there are a lot of concerns, particularly for the smaller companies in the industry, that so there's a cost involved, there is a logistical elements to it that might seem a bit overwhelming. And so it seems almost sort of inaccessible for some of the more independent players in both among the dealers, the manufacturers, and I think the retailers as well. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think when we developed the iTrace solution from the beginning, like our goal was that it needs to indeed be a super efficient solution, that it doesn't add time during any of the processes, whether it's during manufacturing, during sorting, because if it does, then people just won't do it. Or if there's a high cost associated to any of the steps, then nobody will do it. So that's why we made our solution fully digital. And we also bet very heavily and put a lot of development work into creating you know, automations, whether it's with, you know, companies own proprietary inventory management systems, or whether they're using, you know, one of the industry leading ERP providers, because when those automations are there, it just makes it so much easier, there's no work involved. And then also, as you said, for smaller companies, even those that just work off in Excel, or just want to manually enter information, that's also possible, like we try to be as flexible to suit each customer's need, of course. Right. And I think one of the outcomes of this, and I'm still in two minds whether it's a good or a bad thing, I think ultimately it would be positive, but it might be to the detriment of some of those companies that don't have the infrastructure and or budget to adopt traceability programs is that there would be ultimately a bifurcation of the market, you know, between those companies driven by the brands, as you mentioned earlier, that are supplying the brands, supplying the bigger retails who are showing the traceability story. And so a split in the market between those companies that are in that pipeline and those that are not, 
And then again, the question, if the cost and the brand equity that's involved in showing the traceability leads to the, the premium on the goods that are part of that verified supply chain. I would love to add to that. Like, I think right now you can see traceability as kind of like a competitive advantage. It's something that can differentiate your goods and get you perhaps access to more demands or make your interest when the price is the same, it can make your product more interesting than another. So I'd say right now it, it's kind of that commercial differentiator. But I think like at least the conversations that we've been having with our brand partners, for example, they've made it very clear that in you know, a time span of only a few years, we're going to get to a situation where it's going to be mandatory for all of their production. We have a lot of brands that have very ambitious goals to, in a couple of years, make all of their production 100%, including all the small goods, uh, traceable. So that's, of course, a huge challenge uh, for them and for their suppliers to adhere to. But it's going to be a necessity in order to continue to supply to them. And as we know, with most of these industry trends, like they tend to start on the catwalk in Paris, and then they kind of trickle down to the chains and the independents from there. And I would say recently, and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but that similar thought stream has also started to come up in the US market, where we're seeing a lot more of the, I would say, medium-sized chains and the better-end independents also pick up on this and making traceability a need to supply to them. So it's definitely, I think, the way that the industry is going. Right now, it's a differentiator, but I think in a couple of years, it'll be mandatory. Yeah, I agree. And we are seeing that same trend among the, I would agree, among the medium to larger size independents in the United States. And I do think that that was a result of the geopolitical developments of last year. And um, jewelers are very sensitive to that at the moment and concerned about the legalities of their supply as well. I would like to just go back to the smaller goods because we haven't touched on that. And that's always been a very particular challenge for, you know, providers of traceability is how do you tackle the issue of the smaller goods, the melee that is sold in parcels and often mixed at various points of the distribution chain. And so iTrace is claiming that you've overcome that challenge. So I would like to give you the opportunity to explain how that is working and how you've approached the melee dilemma. I think you aptly put it, it is very much a dilemma because in the case of Melee, I think as we all know, and I did this process when I was heading the Canada Mark program at Dominion, we were thinking, okay, well, how can we make sure that the Melee coming from a rough stays 100% separated from other rough sources? So we had quite extensive audit protocols and every manufacturer had to have a separate part of their factory just for a particular origin. So just make sure that goods were not able to be mixed. And like it was a very tedious process and not at all scalable for most big manufacturers to be able to, for every origin, set aside a separate part in their factory and to keep everything separate. Because, of course, at a certain point, those goods get mixed together anyway. So knowing that there is no, um, especially for Melee, there's no commercially viable scientific solution to be able to pick up one, you know, Melee polished stone and be able to say, ah, this is coming 100% from this origin. Our system does allow the full traceability of the parcel movements. And what I mean with that is that, as I said, at all of those stages in the supply chain across companies, but also uh, within a company, when they are mixed, split it together, mixed, split it together throughout the various processes, our system keeps full track of that. So that at the end of the exercise, when you're left with a parcel of polished melee, you'll be able to say, well, you know what, I won't be able to pick up one stone here and say it's 100% Canadian, but I will be able to say that in this parcel, there is 30% uh, Canadian, 50% is from DTC, some is from the market where I don't know a certain percentage. It's all about being transparent with those origins. And we found that with most of the customers that we work with, that's really what they're interested in. They're not necessarily so interested in being able to pick up that one melee stone and be able to say, ah, this is Canadian, but they 
you want to, of course, know, well, you know, for most retailers right now, it's, you know, there's no Russian goods in there. There's no Zimbabwe goods in there. Maybe for some, it's a different source. Being able to see what is in the composition of my MLA parcel and which are perhaps certain origins that I don't want so I can make my sustainability claims. And as far as the way that we ensure that the goods are exactly what we say they are, we have a bunch of, let's say, different security layers to make sure that the information is, of course, valid. The first layer are the easy ones, which are all the numerical checks where, you know, of course, if our system picks up that you're splitting more carrots out of a rough parcel than the carrots are in the rough parcel, then, of course, you know, you're going to get these flags. Secondly, because we've built these automated systems, the information is automatically going to come from the customer's inventory management system. So there's no danger of manual errors. It's taken automatically from their complete system. So all the goods are accounted for, which of course makes it much easier for an auditor to come in uh, later as well. In addition to that, because the information is on the blockchain, there's a level of accountability because the information is there forever. And if there's any issue arises, it can be quite easy to bring it back to the original culprit. And then we want to work together with some of some of the industry's other actors who can provide independent third-party verification. So as I mentioned earlier, we are piloting now with several logistics companies with grading labs. So when goods are sent for synthetic screening or they get sent for certification, or if a shipment was done with a particular logistics provider, that they are actually verifying that those movements happened. And that information gets feeded immediately into iTraceIt. So it adds additional credibility to the story. It's certainly a complex challenge. And it sounds to me that it's not an exact science. As you said, you can't account for each individual stone in a parcel of melee. But giving that assurance that through the transparency of the declaration, the, the buyer would have a certain amount of confidence, at least, that the parcel is made up of goods from origins that are acceptable to them. Well, definitely. And you have to keep in mind, like the original situation from which we're coming, where most retailers would have to rely on the origin, which is put on the invoice by their supplier, which was, of course, purely declarative. I think right now we're getting to a system where all of the steps before their supplier are also being captured and all of the the information, the data points, as I said, pictures of the rough copies of the invoices, anything and everything can be added in. So that is already much, much, much stronger, I think, than, than what, it, uh, what it was in the past. Okay. And you mentioned that the information is included in a report. So I trace it is issuing a report or declaration that would go with the invoice along the supply chain. Yeah. So basically all of the goods that go through I trace it, as I said, they get assigned a QR code with all the information, which is taken at all the various steps. So when a retailer would receive a parcel from their supplier, they basically be able to scan the QR code and get all of the information now, this information is very detailed because it contains all the data points. It's very granular because it has all the documents inside and everything. So for some retailers, that tends to be information overkill. And we needed to make sure that we have a solution that is tailored to the different tastes, let's say, of the retailer. Now, brands love this level of granularity, but... You know, maybe an independent somewhere in Australia might just want to know a country of origin and the journey that those goods have traveled through, which is why we indeed developed this report, which just contains the two basic elements, which is country of origin. And in the case of Melate, it's a percentage distribution. But of course, in the case of a single stone, it's always one single origin. And then the countries at every stage through which the goods have traveled, which are automatically taken by us. I see. And that's for the diamond supply, but you also understand in the process of developing a jewelry report, which would include the journey of gold of the colored gemstone, I would imagine as well. And so is that the next stage of your development? And those segments also provide new challenges, I would imagine. Yes, you are 100% correct. This is indeed, I think, one of the next expansion plans or one of the, the next goals that we've set out for the team. 
coming basically from the direct question of brands who then want to continue the traceability of those diamonds into the jewelry piece, which then, of course, also means that we have to be able to trace all of the components that go into the jewelry piece. So 2023 is the year for our expansion also into other product categories that make up the jewelry piece. And you're absolutely right. Each sector kind of comes with its own challenges. And it's, I think, very important to capture all of those different nuances because like, we don't believe that we can force each sector into a particular mold and we need to be aware of each nuances. Take, for example, the gemstone sector. I mean, from the conversations that we've had, and I'd love to hear if you agree with this, but at least on the production side, it tends to be slightly more, I would say, artisanal than perhaps the diamond sector. And that, of course, comes with its own challenges. You know, how do you introduce a technological concept such as ours into a very kind of artisanal environment? So there's a challenge there. The gold is a challenge on its own. It's much more streamlined supply chain, but then again, a more homogenous product. So the differentiation is sometimes a bit more difficult. So there's challenges there. So each each sector for sure has its own challenges, but we have some great partners in each. And we're, I'm sure we'll get to, to introduce all of them. It must be such interesting work. I think particularly on the color gemstones, I'm learning about at the moment in a personal capacity that one aspect that makes it a bit easier is that the source of origin is embedded in the stone as well. So you can most times tell a Colombian emerald from a Zambian emerald, but there's also the issue of treatments, and which is more common in the gemstones, but it's a minefield. Excuse the pun, but it's certainly interesting work and something that we're watching with interest on the side. So um, Frederick, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add, any sort of closing remarks to you about your impressions on the industry? Great question. I mean, there are so many impressions <laughs> that, that, that I've garnered over the last years. I would say that the feedback so far from the industry has been incredibly encouraging. I know it's very difficult to get the noses from all the different actors in the kind of the same direction. But I do feel that this has been one of the easiest products and coming from a rough ground, that's saying a lot. It's been one of the easiest products to sell in that everybody understands that that kind of traceability wave is coming. And to that end, everybody sees that the industry is going a certain way. Everybody's looking for a solution and the, and the responses have been great, which is lovely to see from all my friends at all the various stages of the sector. So uh, I think those are some good closing comments. Absolutely. And it is going to be one of the big trends of 2023 in terms of our editorial coverage. You know, the question of traceability, sustainability, responsible sourcing is um, front and center as it was last year, I think. So um, watch the space, everyone. Frederick, it's been great to talk to you. Um, Likewise, Avi. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm really happy that we had a chance to get you on the podcast and we'll catch up again soon, I hope. For sure. So thank you, Frederick, and thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rapport Diamond podcast. For more discussions, news, and analysis about the diamond industry, visit us on rapport.com, follow Rapport Group on Instagram, and follow Rapport on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes.